Today, guess what? We're starting a brand new series called Felt Board Faith. Come on, let's date ourselves a little bit, guys. How many of you remember the felt board? Come on, anybody in the house, you remember the felt board days? So we're going to be talking about Bible stories from our childhood. And to kick this thing off, I'm going to ask for my two helpers to come up at this time. And so come on, Hannah, wherever you are, come on. Hannah, come up. And Jenna, come up. I need you guys front and center. Come on, give these guys a hand. Give them a big hand. There you go, young lady. Won't you stand right there? There you go. Won't you stand right there? So, guys, we are starting our series off talking about Jonah. Jonah. So, tell me first of all, what do you think, what happened in that story? What do you think happened? What I think is that Jonah just got swallowed by a big whale because Jesus wanted him to. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Amen. What do you think, Miss Hannah? That Jesus told him to get in the whale. Get in the whale. Okay. So let me ask you this question. And Hannah, let's, let's, let's go with you, and then I'm going to ask you, Jenna, the same thing. What do you think it was like inside of the whale? Like you're in the whale. Three days, three nights. What do you think it was like in there? Give me something. Come on. <laughs> you think it was dark? They seaweed everywhere? What do you think? I think it was slimy, gross. Um, <laughs> there's tons of dead fish everywhere. Ugh, dead fish everywhere. Would you like to be in an area where there was dead fish everywhere and seaweed everywhere? No. No. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Uh, you know, the scripture says that there came a time where the fish vomited Jonah up. What, what do you think about that? How do you think that was to be in that? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Miss Hannah? Very gross. Very gross. Very gross. Well, look, give these guys a big hand right there. Thank you so much, ladies. You did an amazing job today. So, guys, we're going to kick off this whole series, and we're going to be talking about Jonah. So if you could, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the book of Jonah. If you don't have them, that's fine. You can actually click there, or you can look on the screen. We'll have it there. Now, the book of Jonah can, can be hard to find at times, so you may have to go to the table of content. If you have a Bible, and if you do that, then you're going to be looking at the Old Testament, and the book of Jonah is actually tucked right in between Obadiah and Micah. So right in between Obadiah and Micah, you've got Jonah. Now, it's interesting because, let me just ask you this right off the bat. How many of you guys basically know the story of Jonah? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Hi, hi. You basically have heard the story of Jonah before. Well, a lot of times, people tend to think that the book of Jonah, this story, it's really just a kid's story that is told in Sunday school. But what we're going to find out, the truth of the matter, 
is that the story of Jonah can actually speak into all of our lives if we would just be willing to listen to the Spirit of God today. So let's look at Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. The scripture says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now let me pause right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah was actually a prophet. And so basically what that meant was he was kind of like the preacher of the day. He proclaimed God's word. And so God is coming to Jonah, son of Amittai, and God said to him, hey, here's your assignment. Here's what I need you to do. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Why? Because it's wickedness. Notice the wording there. It's wickedness has come up before me. Now, when the scripture says that Nineveh was a wicked city, this city was more wicked than you could ever dream or imagine. It was horrible. When, when, because when you think about Nineveh, it was actually the capital city of the Assyrian army. And so what the Assyrians would do when they would come and conquer another city, what they would do to the men, women, and children were so horrendous, it would literally make you sick to your stomach just reading about it. And these are the people that God said, hey, I want you to go and minister to them. I want you to preach to them. And so God said, hey, go east, young man. Go to Nineveh. God said, go. Jonah said, ain't gonna do it. No. And so Jonah actually gets in a ship and he doesn't go east. He's going west to a destination that's 2,500 miles away in the opposite direction of what God called him to do to Tarshish. But God was basically saying, the assignment that I've got for you is way too important for me to let you go. And so God sends this big storm storm is raging, tearing the boat apart. And then the captain of the ship goes down to where Jonah is. Jonah's just kind of hanging out. He goes down to Jonah and he says, Hey, Jonah, man, you're a prophet. Why don't you pray? Why don't you call on God and let God save us? But what the captain didn't realize is that Jonah was a prophet on the run. Jonah was a prayerless prophet. Jonah at this time in his life had stopped praying. Much like so many people today who call themselves believers. There's a lot of people today that say they believe in God, but they have virtually no prayer life whatsoever. They don't call on God. Kind of reminds me of a story of a small town church. A small town church and the pastor of this church knew that there was a bar that was opening up a couple miles up the road. And so the pastor said, guys, man, we can't have this. We're going to pray that church out of business. And so that's what they did. They started praying every single day. They went on to have 24-hour prayer vigils. So people would come to the church in different increments, different time slots, and they would pray that God would put that church out of business. And sure enough, the more they prayed, eventually the bar opened up, but a freak accident, a lightning bolt struck the building and burned the building down. So the bar owner said, I'm going to sue the church and sue the pastor. It's your fault. And so they're standing before the judge and the bar owner said, it's the church's fault. It's the pastor's fault. They prayed and God sent the lightning bolt and it burned our church down. The pastor stood up before the judge and said, no, 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 no. They, they were just harmless prayers. Didn't really mean a whole lot. We were just doing our church meetings. That's, it's not our fault that God did this. 
The judge looked at both of them. He said, well, man, this is kind of interesting here. I've got a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor in a church that does not. Come on, holla at me. And so Jonah found himself in this place, the prophet of God, and he's not in a mood to pray. And the storm rages on. So the sailors come in and they're like, Jonah, man, what's up? Can't you pray? Can't you do something? And Jonah finally admits, he says, guys, listen, it's my fault. I'm running from God. I'm doing something opposite of what God's told me to do. So, hey, if you'll throw me overboard, the storm will stop. You'll be fine. And these guys are like, man, we're we're not going to do that. Man, you're a prophet. We're not going to throw you. You'll die. Well, how many of you know after that storm raised a little bit, they're like, brother, you got to go. So they pitched him over the side. And this is where we kind of pick up the story in the last verse, verse 17, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Watch the wording here. And the Lord, what? Provided. The Lord provided a great fish that swallowed Jonah where he spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Here's kind of where we pick up the story going into Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2 is considered the prayer of Jonah. Matter of fact, most theologians believe that Jonah chapter 2 is actually the psalm of Jonah. Interesting fact here, out of the four chapters in the book of Jonah, Jonah being a prophet of God, he only prays twice. He only prays twice in four chapters. One is right here when he's in the belly of a fish, when his back's against the wall. The second time he prays is when he's in Nineveh. And so here's Jonah, and he's there. And and you understand when you read Jonah chapter 2, this is really just a snapshot of what he prayed. You, You understand that. This guy is in the belly of a well for three days and three nights, and I guarantee you he is praying constantly. He's like, help, get me out, seaweed everywhere, fish everywhere. How am I still alive? So he's like praying over and over and over and over. So understand, this is a snapshot of really what was going on. Because I guarantee you, he wasn't in the belly of a fish with a flashlight, pen, and paper saying, let me just write this prayer out. I guarantee you that won't happen. And so Jonah chapter 2 verse 1, we pick it up. From inside the fish, Jonah what? Prayed. Out of all of this, backs against the wall, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. I would even say he finally prayed. Wasn't praying before him then, but now he's praying. In other words, God was saying, hey, I've got your attention now. I've got you in a place where I've got your attention. And for some of you in here right now, maybe you're listening by podcast right now, God is saying, hey, I've got your attention. I've got you in a place now where we can have a conversation with one another. Because again, so many times in life, we, we, we have this, this prayerless lifestyle, and God says, hey, I've got an assignment for you that's way too important for me to just let you go. And so they're having that conversation. And so here's what Jonah prayed. He says, in my distress, watch the wording, I called on the Lord and what? He answered me. I called on the Lord and he answered me. Now, can you even start to grasp what this actually means to us? 
that you and I right now have the ability to call on the God of the universe, the creator, the sustainer of our lives, the one who spoke and hung the stars in the sky. He created the heavens and the earth, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the supreme judge, the holy one, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. We have the ability to call on Him Knowing that he will answer us. And so here's Jonah. And Jonah is calling on God. Watch this. After he basically said, forget you God. I'm not doing what you've asked me to do. And yet God in his grace and in his mercy answered him. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Don't let the power of that verse pass you by. Knowing that when you call on God, he'll answer you. How many of you guys know God's got a phone number? Come on, you you ever heard that before? God's got a phone number. It's in the Bible. He's got a phone number. How many of you guys, when you were growing up, now fellas, help me out. When you were growing up, how many of you went to a young lady that you really liked and said, give me them digits, girl? Come on, how many of you? Thank you guys for being honest today. Like, give me your digits. God's got a phone number. You know where it's at? It's in Jeremiah 33.3. You know what God says? Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Come on, give God praise for a phone number today. Jeremiah 33.3. You know what amazes me is that we have the ability to come before God. We have the ability to call upon the God of the universe, this God that says He never sleeps nor slumbers. He gives us His phone number and says, hey, call me anytime. But yet what amazes me is I'll run across people and they'll say, man, things are just bad. I mean, they're like really bad, like bad, 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 like bad. People will say, man, it's so bad. I'm not just struggling. I'm ST ruggling. How many of you know that's a whole nother level right there? I'm struggling. Things are just bad. I've done everything I know to do. And here's the phrase you'll hear. I guess all I can do is pray. Come on. How many of you ever heard somebody say that before? Come on. How many of you have said that, but don't raise your hand. You've said that before. I hear that said all the time, but can you imagine how insulting that must be to the heart of God? All we can do now is pray. Listen, guys, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we come boldly to the throne of grace. We step right into the presence of God and we find help. What does the scripture say? In our time of need, we have the ability to go to God. And you know, people, they, you know, people won't even use the word prayer. You know, they'll say, man, I, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Hey, I'll be thinking about you. Hey, guys, do me a favor. If I'm struggling, if I'm going through something, don't just think about me. Pray for me. Amen. Like call upon the God of the universe and pray for me. And so here's Jonah, and Jonah says, man, in my distress, notice the wording there, in my distress, again, going back to Jonah chapter 2 there, and what you have to realize is that Jonah was writing in the Hebrew language. And when you read the Hebrew language, it's actually picture words. So these words draw a picture of what's really going on. And so Jonah is using the word distress. The word distress is someone giving birth. It's like the distress of labor, childbirth. I think it's interesting that Jonah is in the belly of a fish using a pregnancy word. Some of you will get that later. But anyway, 
in my distress, in my agony. Look at that next verse. He says, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. The realm of the dead is another word for Sheol. It means grave. It it literally means hell. And so from the depths of Sheol, Jonah said, I called on God and he answered me. In other words, you know what Jonah was saying? From the point in which I was furthest from God. From the point in which I was desperate and afraid and hurting. From that place where inwardly I was depressed. Inwardly I was afraid. I've got anxiety. Something's just not right. From the depths of that place I called on God and He answered me. And for some of you right now, maybe listening to my podcast, maybe you find yourself in a season where yes, everything looks great on the outside. But on the inside, you find yourself in a time and a season in your life where something's just not right. And you're struggling and you've got anxiety and you've got depression and you find yourself maybe in this dark place. But listen, even though you need him the most and deserve him to least, if you would just call on God, he will answer you. Amen. So really, if you look at verse 1 and 2 and you put it together in the Hebrew language, what he's actually saying is Jonah was saying, I was as good as dead, but God in His mercy could cause me to be born again. God in His mercy could cause life to come back inside of me. And so, man, maybe this speaks to you right now. The power of this verse that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, no matter what your situation is in life, if you call on God, He can cause life to come to that dead area in you. And that's the God we serve. Now, you got to pause for a minute and think about this, this story, really how it's unfolding. Because you understand that we serve a God that could have just said, poof, and Jonah could have been on dry land. You, you get that, right? We serve a God that could have said, poof, and there's a life raft with a steak, a baked potato, and some french fries. And I know that's a lot of carbs, but that's how I roll in Jesus' name. Amen? He could have just said, poof, and it would have all been there. He could have caused a mermaid up to come and drift my brother back to the He could have done that. But how many of you know he didn't do any of that? He did not do any of those things, and yet God was still working a miracle. Oftentimes in life, we can't see the hand of God. We can't see how God is moving and working, but you understand that God oftentimes works in phases. He was working in phases in the life of Jonah. Let me show it to you. God says, Jonah, go. Jonah says, God, no. Phase one, God sends a storm. The storm didn't work. Phase two, God sends the captain. You need to pray. He didn't pray. Phase three, the sailors have mercy on him. They don't throw him overboard. Phase four, they throw him overboard, but yet God provided a fish. Phase five, the fish gets a tummy ache and throws him up on shore. All through this man's life, the hand of God was working and moving, and the miracle of God was working in his life. You ever had a time in your life where you said, all right, God, this is what I want you to do for me right here. And God said, I think I'm going to go around and do it in phases. And oftentimes what happens, we get frustrated. We get angry with God because God didn't do what I want, when I wanted him to, how I wanted him to, and I'm not where I thought I would be. And we get frustrated with God. But what you have to do is you have to step back and look at the phases that God is working in your life. 
You understand that God may have you on a 10-phase process, and if you're trying to jump from phase 1 to phase 10, you're going to miss everything that God's trying to do in your life in the middle. God may be trying to grow you, grow your faith, make it to where, hey, the things that I want to give you, God says, hey, you can't endure it right now, but if I can carry you through some phases, you can get there. It's kind of like, how many of you guys remember the dot-to-dot pictures? You, you remember those? And you follow the line? If you're like me, when I was a child and I had like 50 dots, I would go to number one, number two, number three, and then I'd jump back to like 49 and 50. But if you do that, you can't see the big picture. You have to follow the phases. You have to follow the dots. And I guarantee you in your life, if you're willing to step back and look back on what God is doing in your life, You'll see his hand moving and weaving its way all through your life, doing what he wants to do in your life. Turn to somebody and say, don't forget the phases. Don't forget the phases. Jonah's in a fish. God's got his attention. Here we go. Verse 3. He's praying. God, you hurled me into the deep. Now, technically, it was the sailors that did that. But Jonah wisely recognized the hand of God behind everything. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. Listen to the wording here. The current swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your temple. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. This sounds like an episode of man versus wild. Come on, somebody. Bear Gwills in the house. Y'all remember? I'm going to tell you what. Y'all keep on. I'll keep you here all day long. More you amen me, we get on out of here. Thank you. Verse 6. The roots of the mountains I sake down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. You know what Jonah was saying? He's saying there's no physical hope for me. Game over. Don't pass go. I'm a dead man. But watch what he says. But you, Lord my God, watch the wording, brought my life up from the pit. I want to challenge you with something. When you go back and read Jonah chapter 1, all you see is the word down. Jonah went down. He went down into the bottom. Down, down, down. But then in chapter 2, because he's had an encounter with God, his whole life shifts. His His perspective shifts. And now everything starts to rise back up. But you, oh God, brought me up from the pit. And some of you right now, your life is spiraling out of control. You're going downward. But I want to remind you today to never forget the but God moments in your life. Never forget the but God moments in your life. My marriage was in trouble. I thought it was over, but God showed up. We didn't have any money. I didn't know what was going to happen. We couldn't pay our bills, but God showed up. The doctor said it's over. There's no hope for you, but God showed up. Don't forget the but God moments of your life and remember that all things are possible with God. When Jonah was at the point in his life where everything in him was saying, you'll never survive this, he had a but God moment. I called on God. He heard my cry. He delivered me from the pit. Watch this verse 7. He goes on. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. 
Can I tell you today, you need to remember God. And some of you may say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? I've, I've not forgotten God. And I would say, yes, you have. See, oftentimes in life, it's really easy when things are going well and there's no sickness and the kids are acting like they got some sense. Come on, in Jesus' name, all the parents said, yes, y'all got a little loud right then. Amen. Kids are doing great. Money's flowing in. How many of you know it's easy to drift? It's easy to drift. It's easy to get ourselves in that place in our life where we say, okay, God, it's going pretty good for me right now. I think I'm doing good. And we put literally, uh, metaphorically, if you will, we put God in a box and we put him on the shelf and say, God, when I need you, I'll come back to you. We've forgotten God. We've forgotten God. We need to remember God. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember those times where you didn't think you were going to make it. Remember those times where you were crying all night long. Remember those times where God just miraculously showed up and done something in your life. Remember God. Now watch verse 8. His tone's kind of shifting here. And it's almost as if from the deepest, darkest point in his life, he's warning the readers of his time and he's warning us today, almost saying, whatever you do, don't run from God. Whatever you do, don't neglect God. Don't disobey God. Because verse 8, here's how he says it. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to the things of the world, those things that that don't matter, those things that you're not going to find ultimate satisfaction in. He says, man, be careful how you hold on to that stuff. And isn't that so easy as you go through life and you start having things to come here and things to come there, and it's easy that your life automatically becomes like a magnet and you start having these things cling to you and you start holding on to things that can do nothing for you, eternal significance whatsoever, and we hold on to these things and Jonah's like, hey, be careful how you do that. If God tells you to get rid of something, get rid of it. If God tells you to give something, give it. If God tells you to move somewhere, move. Now, you understand God's not going to tell you to leave Bruce Smith. I'm just saying that ain't from God. Amen. But anyway, whatever God tells you to do, you got to do it. Amen. In Jesus' name. Now, let me land the plane real quick today. Closing verse, verse 9. Picture this. I want you to picture this just for a moment. Jonah is in the fish. And there's nothing, you understand, Jonah is in a place now in his life where there's nothing he can do to contribute to his salvation. Nothing. He can't go offer a sacrifice. He can't give money at the temple. He can't do any good works. He couldn't help feed the poor. He could not do anything to contribute to his salvation. No physical good work could contribute to him getting out of that fish. He couldn't do anything. And I want you to read verse 9, kind of at the end of verse 9, in that context. I've got it underlined for you. He said something that I hope that you'll hear in a way that you've never heard it before. He said, salvation comes from the Lord. I want you to hear that in your hearts. Here is a man. He is in a place where there is absolutely nothing he can do to get out of where he's at. And it is in that moment that he comes to the realization, I would dare say more now than ever before, he says, man, salvation comes from the Lord. That's where it comes from. It comes from God. 
It comes from God. The New Testament says it this way. It is by the grace of God that we're saved. Why? Because it's never of your works. So you don't get the credit for it. But God gets the credit for it. And so you can't brag about it. It's a gift that comes through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation comes from the Lord. God gave His Son so that you and I, even though we are in the depths of Sheol, we're in the belly of a fish, our back's against the wall, we're going through life, a life that's filled with, yes, good moments, but yes, bad moments, and yes, unanticipated moments. These moments where it seems like you're suffocating, and it is in that moment that you can say, man, salvation comes from God. It comes from God. That's where it comes from. And then verse 10, it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Now that's just disgusting and nasty if you ask me, but it's very powerful. And it drives home the, the one point that I want you guys to get today. Just one point today. And if you notice, we did more of an exegetical message today where we just kind of took verse by verse and let God do the work. But here's the one point I've got for you. It should be on your screen. Whether you're on top of the world or whether you're in the depths of Sheol, when you call on the Lord, He will answer you. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, He will answer you. I can't tell you how many times in my own life, and you have a story as well, we all have a story. So many times in my own life where I find myself in a place where I was like, there's absolutely nothing I could do here. It's almost like, God, you know what? Hey, if you don't show up, man, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall flat on my face. And so, God, I need you. And it was in those moments, did, did he do it the exact way that I wanted him to? No, sometimes he does. Most of the time, I think God likes to watch us squirm a little bit. He'll kind of hold off so that you and I can get to the place where in our minds we know there's nothing else I can do. And then He shows up. So that when everything goes well and somebody says, man, how, how did you get out of that? How did you make it out of that? You, you can't take credit for anything. You can't say, well, man, you know, I just wrote a check or, well, I did this and that. You can't do anything. The only thing you can do at that moment is say, you know what, man, that was the hand of God. Just straight up the hand of God coming into my life. So won't you stand with me all over the house? Won't you bow your heads for a moment? And I told you the story of Jonah would speak to your hearts if you would just listen. It's not just a Bible story. It's a story of salvation. It's a story of a man who literally walked away from God, wasn't willing to pray, but prayed, called on God, and God answered him out of His grace and out of His mercy. I hear so oftentimes people say, Pastor, man, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I've been. There's no way God could use me. 
There's no way God could, could cause me to make a difference in my school, to make a difference in my community, to make a difference in my job. There's no way. And you know what I always say to him? I said, all right, Jonah, don't let him swallow you. <laughs> God can use you. And I would even say this, the fact that you're still alive, the fact that you're still breathing is an indicator that God's not done with you yet. There's still a plan. There's still a purpose. There's still something God's called you to do. Now, here's the question that I want you to leave with today. What are you going to do with the calling? What are you going to do with that stirring that God's put in you? Maybe he said, hey, you know what? I'm calling you to step up and serve. And I know right now things are somewhat different. I get it. You know, kids' church is not going. Nursery not going. You know, we're doing outreach, but we're doing it in a different way. But how many of you know we're not going to be here forever? We're going to get back to normal in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And so, hey, we're, we're, we're building the teams now. Maybe God's speaking to your heart and say, man, you know what? I, man, I'd be willing to work in that parking lot. I'd be willing to wave that Mickey Mouse hand. I'd be willing to hold an umbrella over a young lady. Hold that front door. I'd be willing to do that. And maybe you've got some talent. Maybe you know how to sing or play. Now, you know, if you can't sing or play, don't come up here. I'm just playing. But <laughs> maybe you can sing or play. What is it God's calling you to do? Man, some of you have got the heart of compassion and you've got, man, kids just flock to you. Why, why are you not working in kids' church? Why are you not in the... See, I, you know, I love kids and I love babies, but don't put me in the nursery. I don't do well in that nursery. I went in there one time because I said, you know what? I can't ask my people to serve in there if I've not even been willing to go. I went in there one time. Brother, there ain't enough Xanax and Walmart to help me. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Or whatever that prescription's called. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Valium. That's what it was. Valium. <laughs> What's God called you to do? What is the message He wants you to give? Because here's the thing, guys. All of us have the great commission attached to our lives as believers. You're called to go into the world and to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. And if you get in the game, God can do amazing things with your life. So Father, we love you today. We thank you for these moments. We thank you that we have an opportunity to come boldly into your presence. Hebrews tells us that. To call upon you. To know that you hear us. And know, Lord, that we've got your phone number. We can call you. And according to your word, you said, hey, I'll answer you. I'll answer you. I'll show you some great and mighty things that thou knowest not. And so, Father, right now we open our hearts to you. We give you our lives. We give you everything we have. Because, Father, at the end of the day, our whole purpose of being here is to share the good news. Our whole purpose of being here is to make a difference in somebody's life. And so, Father, help us to do that. Help us to grab hold of that, that reality 
and plant it deep in our hearts and deep in our souls. And Lord, as we step out to do what you've called us to do, we know we find satisfaction. We know we see those but God moments throughout our lives. And so guys, just keep your heads bowed for a moment. Maybe you've stepped in here today. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you said, man, I just showed up. But I believe that the reason why you're here is it's really more of an ordained moment by God. You didn't just show up today. I believe God brought you here for a reason. And God loves you. And I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what's going on in your world, what's going on in your life. I don't know if your back's against the wall. I don't know if you're on top of the world. I don't know. But here's what I do know. There's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven that has not given up on you. And there's a plan for your life. There's purpose for you. There's destiny for you. And he says, hey, I want a relationship with you. So if you're in here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and maybe this message has spoke to your heart, maybe God brought you here and He's knocking on your heart, and you say, you know what, today's the day. Man, I'm going to resign as CEO of my life, and I'm going to give God everything I've got. Does that describe you? If it does, could you just be willing to slip up a hand and say, Lord, I want to receive you today. I need you. I need you. Maybe you're here today and maybe things just kind of got a little bit out of control and maybe you've, maybe you've lost that zeal to pray like you once had. Maybe you've lost that passion to open up God's Word and let salty tears run down your face and stain the pages. Man, if that's you, could you slip a hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've, I've kind of drifted a little bit. Seize the hand. I've drifted and I, man, I just need Him. I want that fire back. I want that passion back. All that zeal back. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for these moments. Thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for the time that we have to just come into your presence, to worship you and to serve you. And Father, right now, I pray for a fresh fire, a fresh energy, a fresh anointing to rest upon your people, God. God, revive our prayer lives, Lord. Revive those moments, those moments when we open your word, Lord. Let there be times of refreshing. Let it be a time of of joyfulness to come into your presence, Lord, to seek you. May there be a longing. May there be a hunger. May there be a passion deep in our souls that says, God, I just can't wait to get in your presence. I can't wait to get in your word. Lord, reignite the fire in our hearts again. Lord, a passion for you. And Lord, may we go out and do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house.